You're listening to a Stranger podcast, www.thestranger.com. Hey, Savage Love listeners, this is Malika. And this is Nathan. We're the hosts of Planned Parenthood's Speaking of Sex podcast at speakingofsexpodcast.org. We went on a three-week road trip this summer interviewing people about sex and sexuality. We stopped in big cities and small towns and talked to Planned Parenthood staff and supporters about everything from HIV to sex toys to reproductive rights. Our video podcast series is called Sex on the Road. After you're done listening to Dan's advice, why don't you watch an episode or two? You can check them out at speakingofsexpodcast.org. Remember, be safe. And have fun. Hey everybody, welcome to another installment of Savage Lovecast. I'm Dan Savage. This is the once a week out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. And our new intro music is by Michael Noonan and his sexy robot. We uh, offered a couple weeks ago that uh, to, pl- to use any intro music to the podcast that anybody cared to send us. We've been using a really great uh, bit of intro music from the popovers the last few weeks. We'll probably get back to the popovers because uh, nice try, Michael Noonan, like the synthesizer, like the sexy robot. But I kind of think it would get on my nerves after a while if we used it every week. So uh, you had your uh, you had your you had your run on the podcast, but that's it. Back next week, back to the popovers. Well, it's an exciting week. Uh, we got a lot of questions, and um, I have uh, the flu, and I'm just packed full of Dayquil. So you're not going to get me at my best, but uh, you're just gonna you're gonna get me, and you're gonna like me, and uh, that's just the the way it's gonna be. Because you know what, I'm totally awesome. I am a 40 year old straight woman living in New York City. I've been dating my boyfriend, who's 42, for about 14 months, and we've been very much in love. The following happened about three months ago when we were talking about moving in together. He had spent an overnight in D.C. supposedly at a bachelor party, but I found out that he had seen an ex-girlfriend while he was there. I found this out because he was, I was looking on his BlackBerry and found an email from her saying how great it would have been to see him. I confronted him, and at first he claimed that she was just a friend, although later he, admit, he admitted that she had been his lover, but insisted that the party had been her boyfriend's party and that nothing had happened. Obviously, we had a major fight about this, but then we had a really good conversation about commitment and love, and against somewhat my better judgment, a few days later, I decided to move in with him. I had wanted to believe that this was an isolated incident, and he admitted that it had been very bad judgment. Once we moved in together, though, it was very hard for me to, to get over the, what had happened in D.C., so I became somewhat of a master snooper. I read his emails, looked at his credit card bills and phone records, all with a major pit in my stomach at what I might find. I found out a lot. I knew he had been into porn, which didn't bother me one bit. In fact, we had looked at it together several times and enjoyed it. What I did find was that he had a long history as an active swinger. He had been to several swingers clubs all around the country and the world. He had been emailing with exes, had been surfing Craigslist personal ads and responding and even posting photos of himself. And he had gone to a sex club overnight in Pennsylvania one weekend when I was visiting with college friends over the summer. All of this was kept from me. I confronted him directly about it, and he claims that this is all about a fantasy life, that he had never actually met anyone through Craigslist, and that all of this has nothing to do with his love for me, and that he had never cheated on me, which he defines as having sex. I had offered to go to a sex club with him to share in that experience and to show him that I am open to new sexual experiences. However, I don't know how to get the trust back. 
and while I'm willing to experiment, I feel somewhat threatened by all these activities, especially since he had wanted to keep them secret from me. He doesn't initiate sex very often, but is responsive when I do. All of this is doing a major number on my self-esteem and making me think that for him, sex and love are not connected. I've heard about guys compartmentalizing this stuff, but this seems very extreme. I'd be very grateful for any help you could provide. It's always really heartwarming when two people who are perfect for each other come together and find each other and fall in love. Because you two, you know, it just warms my heart. You two are just made for each other. You're a snooper. You were snooping into his Blackberry, uh, you know, because you were suspicious back before he'd really given you cause. And you found out this dirt about his ex-girlfriend. And he's a cheater. And that's a beautiful thing when a snooper and a cheater come together. Because when a snooper's with someone who doesn't cheat, she snoops or he snoops and finds no dirt. And all that snooping is for nothing. And when a cheater is with someone who doesn't snoop, he never gets caught. And so there's no drama and there's no fun and there's no calls to sex advice columnists uh, podcasts. So I, I don't want to mess this up. This is perfect. You guys should stay together and he should keep lying and cheating, which is what he's doing. And you should keep snoo snooping and violating his privacy. And you should keep having these confrontations and fights and processy bullshit sessions about your Beautiful, beautiful relationship. And uh, you should keep it up for 30 or 40 fucking years. But you know what? Don't bore the rest of us with it because we just don't want to hear about it. If you can't see that the snooping is wrong and he can't see that the cheating is wrong and you can't tell that he's lying to you, the rest of us just don't have much sympathy or patience, I have to say. But, you know, that's I want to back up. I want to get back to my original sort of some people think I tell too many people to break up, that I'm too quick with the DTMFA. So I want to say, in this instance, that, uh, God, I'll be the ring bearer at your fucking wedding. I think you guys are a match. Hey, Dan, what's going on? This is Dave from Arizona. About four months ago, I had this two-year relationship. And uh, ever since then, I've been uh, seeing other girls and such, and all that's well and good. And I've got this one chick that I'm kind of messing around with right now. And she's hot and she's kinky and that's all well and good. But I never seem to, uh, I mean, you know, talk, she calls me up when she's masturbating, shit like that. It's, it's quite good. I want to fuck the hell out of her. But every time we actually get around to it, something kind of comes up that's convenient for me to bail out on the whole situation. I'm not sure why I want to. I mean, like I said, I do want to fuck the hell out of her. But I don't know, something always just kind of comes up and I'm like, yeah, whatever, I'll do it later. And I don't know if I should be thinking like that. So just listen to your call. Have you fucked this kinky crazy girl yet? No, no, we're trying to meet up this weekend. <laughs> so why do you think you keep backing out? I have absolutely no idea. Maybe you should listen to whatever sort of subconscious messages you're getting about this girl. Obviously, you know, if you broke up four months ago with someone you were with for two years, and on paper this woman turns your crank and you feel like you oughta and you should and you you know can't understand why you haven't or you've been avoiding it like those are moments where you need to like take a deep breath and go well obviously there's something here that's raising a red flag even if i can't articulate it even if i can't name it even if i'm not sure what the fuck it is but i'm getting little like warning signals from my reptile brain saying don't <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's because I've, I've kind of been thinking about it more and more, and I'm starting to wonder if it's maybe just that, I don't know, maybe I'm just done with, uh, for the time being, I'm just kind of done with the whole, you know, random fucking... Maybe, and... Which 
it's shocking and horrifying a little bit, but hey, I guess that's... Uh... <laughs> we all go through that phase. You'll get back to it. You'll get back to the meaningless, random, cheap, kinky sex. Um, but you don't want to get back to it too soon. And, you know, yeah. it might have nothing to do with, you know, feeling like a, you know... You know, being a pussy. I'm sorry, being a scrotum about uh, about not wanting to do the random cheap kinky sex and not being like the big stud. You know, maybe it's not the sex or the randomness or the lack of commitment. Maybe it's her. Maybe there's something about her that doesn't work for you, or you're getting a bad feeling about, or you're just you know chemically having not you know the the perfect reaction to her, and you should save up your kinky wild sex having for somebody who doesn't fill you with these reservations that you can't quite name. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to sex, you, you have to trust your gut. And when you're with somebody, or you're planning to be with somebody, and you have this like feeling, this premonition that it's not something you want to do, or you find yourself you know, sabotaging it subconsciously, or coming up with excuses, eventually you just have to embrace that. And you don't have to go through with it just because you, know, you ought to be into it. Yeah. So I would tell you not to do her this weekend. And how often do I tell people on the Savage Lovecast to not have the kinky, wild, crazy, anonymous I know. Sex? I'm actually checking to make sure my wristwatch isn't running backwards right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you might want to call her ID me. I might be Dr. Drew, like, intercepting my phone calls. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> All right, well, uh, yeah, I'm probably going probably gonna to take the advice on that one because, I don't know, there's just something that's weird because, you know, I'll have the opportunity, I'll have the time, and I'll just be like, I really don't feel like it. Then don't do it. Then don't do it. But you know what? Cool. Maybe you'll feel like it another month. Maybe you just need another month for this, uh, you know, whatever lingering feelings you have for your ex-girlfriend or whatever pain you have about the breakup to finally burn off. And then you'll be ready for her, or maybe it's her, but whatever it is, you're not ready now, and you should kick the can down the road a little bit. Otherwise, you're going to, you know, you're going to do yourself some psychic trauma if you run in there before you're ready and willing and able. And that's no good for anybody involved. Nope. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for giving me a call back. Uh, love the show, and uh, thanks for the help. Sure thing. Talk to you later. Hi, Dan. I'm calling in reply to the girls who called up in uh, Savage Lovecast 70 about blowjobs and how women need to look at them as a source of power. And um, I just wanted to add to that. Um, while I agree with her, a large problem, I think women not wanting to give blowjobs comes from the way the men who they have given blowjobs to, treating them afterwards. Like, you'll be going out and you'll be, you know, fooling around with a guy, maybe not really dating, maybe you're more like fuck buddies, and you give him a blowjob and you get the brush off immediately afterwards um, for, for, for seemingly one of two reasons. One, I've had guys sort of think that that meant that you love them because you went down on them when it just means that you wanted to suck dick. Or... Suddenly you're a slut. You know, so it's like you give a guy a blowjob, suddenly treated like a whore. So if men as a collective whole could, like, stop doing this, I think there'd be more blowjobs for everybody. If the guys you're blowing are reacting that way, I think you're blowing the wrong guys. And, you know, sometimes people make the wrong choice over and over again. They pick like a certain kind of partner over and over again. And then they want to universalize their experience and say, all men are assholes because the six men that I've blown or dated or married, uh, we're all assholes. And you have to recognize that in, uh, six failed marriages with six different dudes, uh, or six awkward post blowjob moments with six, uh, 
just blown dudes. You're the common denominator. Now, I'm not saying that you're at fault here, and I'm not saying that straight guys can't be weird about the Madonna horror thing and that, like, a woman can't just, you know, unlock into a string of asshole dudes in her bed. That happens. But we need to be self-critical. We need to look inside. So before we, like you know, make a blanket statement about all men being ingrates and misogynists about blowjobs and the women who give them, I would want to sit down with you and talk about who you blew, when you blew them, why you blew them, how you blew them, before we make any, you know, as I've said, blanket condemnations of straight guys uh, looking uh, gift blowjob givers in their cum-splattered mouths. But I agree that when given a blowjob, a guy should be grateful and gracious even if he's not interested in getting a blowjob from that particular woman ever again he should be thinking of the next dude that comes along who may like to get a blowjob from that particular woman we should always remember that even if we're with somebody that we don't intend to be with forever ourselves we don't want to bang them up too badly emotionally or sexually because we're not only hurting them we're hurting potentially all the people that they sleep with afterwards or the person that you know, may come along next that they will, if they're not too sexually and emotionally traumatized, be able to be with for the rest of their lives. You can't just think, you know, selfishly, uh, even about the two people in the room, because the two people in the room aren't the only two people who are ever going to be involved sexually with those two people in the room in the whole history of their sex lives. Does that make any fucking sense? Or is the day quilt talking? Uh, I think I think with the tech savvy at risk youth are giving me the day quilt talking Oh, stink eye. So we're going to move on to the next call because obviously I fucked this one up. Hi, Dan. Um, My name is Michelle, and I have been with my husband for almost 13 years. Um, I'd say probably within the last five years or so, he has progressively lost all interest in sex um, to the point of actually claiming to possibly be asexual now. Um, We had sex exactly twice last year, and they were both times initiated by me, and both times were just awful. Um, He does still masturbate, um, which, you know, leads me to question the theory that he has absolutely no interest in having sex with anybody, Um, but he says that masturbation for him is just like a function, you know, he just does it to get it over with, and that, you know, the fact that he doesn't seem to have much interest in having sex with me I shouldn't take that personal because he doesn't have any interest in having sex with any other woman or anything. I've even asked him if he could possibly be gay, and he says no. Um, The only reason this is starting to maybe, I'm starting to wonder if this could be an actual condition with him is because his brother um, also claims to be asexual and has for some time, and he really doesn't have a sex life, and he really doesn't seem interested in having sex with anyone, Um, and I've known this about his brother for a long time, so I just wonder if this is an actual, you know, thing, is it biological, could it run in their family, I've done a little bit of research about it online, and um, the things that I've seen make me wonder if maybe this is true, Um, for instance, I did see online where they say asexuals do masturbate, um, but they view it as a function, like going to the bathroom, you know, just get it over with, um, and that it is possible to have once been sexually active, as my husband once was, um, and then to just lose interest in sex altogether. 
but my question is, where does this leave me? You know, I'm 30. I'm, you know, starting to feel that whole sexual peak phenomenon. And, you know, I've got nobody to fuck, basically. I have no interest in cheating on my husband with a man. We have discussed that. Um, He obviously isn't really crazy about the idea of me having sex with another man. And to be quite honest, I'm not either. I'm not looking for that. I'm not looking to just go out and get laid for the sake of getting laid by a man, and I stress that because I am bisexual, um, I would be interested in having sex with women, and he has claimed that that would be okay, but I don't think it's sincere whenever a situation comes up where it looks like that could, you know, maybe happen. He kind of questions it in a negative tone, like, you know, oh, you're not going to fuck her, are you? You know, um, and when I, you know, bring this up, like, hey, you know, I thought that was going to be okay. He's like, oh, you know, it is. I just, I wanted to know. I just want to know. I'm just curious about what your take is on the situation. Can I ask you the most important, obvious question? No, I haven't had sex. <laughs> no, not, well, there's that, too. Um, uh, do you have kids with this dude? No. Okay, good. You should leave him. Oh. Oh, unless you Everybody love him. Says that. Everybody's so, like, quick to say that. I mean, I've been with him for, like, 13 years. Right, but he's pulling a unilateral bullshit move, which is either his, either he's asexual or he has no sex drive. Uh, it's just collapsed, uh, and he's not interested in recovering it, or he's not attracted to you at all anymore. And we can't know the answer to that. To, you know, we can't know which one it is mm-hmm. without of course, drilling a hole in his head and digging around in his brain, which is unethical, I read somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) So the question for you isn't, you know, what's up with my husband? The question for you is, what are you going to do? Now that you know what the score is, which is you and he are not going to be having a sexual relationship anymore, and this thing, you know, he doesn't care about sex, he's asexual, he's not interested in sex, masturbation is just, you know, draining his prostate gland and a function... If that's actually how he felt, he wouldn't be so weird and controlling about you having sex with other people or you having a lover. You know, I hear you when you say you don't want to have sex with some random guy or girl, uh, but someone in your situation can find someone who is in a marriage much like your own, who's in the same situation you're in, and have not, you know, just a fuck that's random and anonymous, but a relationship where you two, outside of your both your marriages, are meeting each other's sexual needs that aren't being met at home. But your husband has to, you know, if sex ain't important, he can't be annoyed if you do this unimportant thing that he's not interested in, in with other people. Yeah. He can't require that you're sexual, you know, he can't ask you to die with him sexually. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, not fair. We, for a long time we didn't, you know, I did the, you know, why won't you fuck me? You know, I did all the nagging argumentative stuff for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then for a while I just kind of let it go. And I was like, you know, he'll come. His whole thing, and this is something I didn't mention in my initial call, but um, I'd say probably within the last five years or so, he's really sunk into some kind of a depression, and he'll even say that. Um, is he getting treatment for it? No, that's what I'm, I can't get him to go to a doctor. He's he's just he's like the eternal optimist. You know, everything will get better. He's the depressed I, he's, eternal optimist. Yeah, I know it sounds ridiculous, but like <laughs> it's just constantly like everything will get better. I just you know my job needs to work out. There's they've been dangling this position in front of him for years now at his job, um, and it's starting to come to fruition, sort of. They're working up the money deal. Uh, who gives a shit? Not fair, not fair. Who thought, fuck him. I'm sorry. You know, I understand that people get depressed, um, but you can't expect someone that you're in a relationship with 
to just write you a blank check or cut you every benefit of every doubt because you're sad. Like, it's, you know, I'm fine. People get depressed, but you, you have to work on it. You have to work toward getting better. And it's one thing to, like, stand by someone's side for a few years or even five years as they work on their depression, as they try to get healthy so they can be a completely well-rounded partner for you again. Uh-huh. But he can't expect you to stand there while he does nothing about getting better about his depression, about his lack of a sex drive, and expect you to just hang out forever, never have sex ever again, and never be in a relationship again with someone who's fully present. Well, the, the, the hang-up that I have, and I was close to the whole, okay, what do I do now? I'm, you know, I just, I'm going to have to, I'm going to end up leaving him. It's like the, oh, that's just, it's like, I heard you say the other day the whole, other than that Mrs. Lincoln thing, other than that, I love my marriage. <laughs> but it's just like this one huge shit cloud that just hangs over. Right, and that's fine. Now. If you love your marriage and you want to stay, then you should say that to him and say, but I'm staying but there's, you know, there are things in this marriage that I've accepted that aren't what I necessarily wanted, because uh-huh. I'm willing to compromise, I'm willing to take the good with the bad, but you're going to have to take the bad with the good. And the bad for you is going to be, I'm going to get my sexual needs met elsewhere, and I don't want any grief about it, I don't want any manipulative long faces about it, and I'm not going to tell you about it. That's a good idea. <laughs> because his, like, you you have to tell me. That's a way of saying you may not do it. Right. Now, there's been people well, there's people been... in marriages where the sex is cut off, uh-huh. and then the, the sex cutter offer says, I don't care what you do or when you do it, I just want to know. Right. They're establishing a really high bar, because it's really hard to tell well, under those circumstances. Like, you know, I don't care, and honest to God, I don't even want to go out and find a guy. I love girls as far as sex goes, and I think I would be completely fine with that arrangement. Mm-hmm. But And there's been, like, a few things that have come up here and there. Some girlfriends and I have done stuff, and um, just most recently there was something going on where I had some friends come down and spend the night, and um, we, like, got a hotel and went out on the town and all that stuff. And he was a shit about it. Sort of. Not bad, but, I mean, it was just, like, I think the negative question was along the lines of, you know, I've got sex with them, are you? Why shouldn't you? Yeah, that's what, I, mean, I was like, I might. Did I you say know. that? But, yeah, and he was like, well, I just want to know. I just didn't want it to be, like, a, a you know, a secretive thing that they came down here just for that. Or so. You um, just have to tell him, blanket, for, you know, I may, if when the opportunity presents itself, act. Right. And you'll have to deal with it, and if you want to know, I'll tell you after the fact, but I don't want any grief about it, and you need to go see a shrink and work on your fucking depression. Um, but good with the bad, good with the bad. Right. He can't ask you... To to be sad and depressed with him, and he can't ask you to never have sex again because he's not interested in sex. And, and he has to take responsibility talk- for that. You know, we owe it to our partners uh-huh. to be emotionally healthy or working toward it. We can't be emotional fucking wrecks and basket cases and expect people to just stand there in limbo forever, emotionally or sexually, while we do nothing right. to get better or get healthy. Right. And you know what they say about hitting bottom with alcoholics and addicts and sometimes depressed people? That's what it takes. Mm-hmm. So maybe what it's going to take for him is for you to start fucking okay. other people or for you to leave him before I he like, gets off his him. ass. I, I, I let it be known about a month ago that that was where I was at. Like, I, I just came out and asked him, how much longer do you expect me to sit around and wait for you to you know, get your desire back? And it was like, what are you saying? Are you, you know, you thinking about leaving? I, I said, I'm just going to say it again. How much longer do you expect me to wait and work on this? Well, after that, 
our relationship actually got better, but there was still no sex. Like, he, he heard a lot of what I was saying as far as, like, other issues we had and... and Good, good. And then you should you should keep up in that vein because what right. that did was communicate to him that you're not willing to exist in this limbo forever. Right. That you require movement. And so I keep hanging on to that whole. Well, well don't hang on to the hope. Like you got to yeah. deliver the ultimatum and mean it. You got to say two things. I'm going to leave you eventually unless there's change, and I'm going to fuck other people as soon as possible, as soon as I have the opportunity, because I'm fucking horny and neglected. So suck it? on that, Mister Depresso. <laughs> My whole thing is, would it be worth it? What if I? you know, went out and acted on whatever, and I said that, so deal with it, you know, because this is how it is, and he divorces me, and I'm, you know, alone, and that was... You're alone in 30, which is, you're alone in 30, which is young, you're at your sexual peak, you're bi, so you have tons of options, (laughs) right? Sexually, yeah. (laughs) You know, that's where you have to ask yourself, what's worse, being in this state, in this marriage, Uh with this depressed guy... Uh-huh. Who isn't interested in sex? Who's manipulating me emotionally? Who's killing my sexuality? Or being quote unquote alone? Like what's what's worse? I don't really. I guess me alone. I know there's a chance I could find somebody else. There's a big good chance him. you could find somebody else. I love him though. I mean, well, I know then that's stay like with him. Girl. I know this is the whole dumb girl scenario that just pisses me off that I've become this way. But it's like you know, I know you've been in a long re- in a relationship for a really long time. And then what if this happened with your partner and he decides he no longer wants to have What if I happen, so it, quick to if it happened with my partner, I wouldn't be quick to leave him, particularly because right. we have kids. Right. But I would be quick to say, you know what, the relationship isn't what either, you know, it's not going to be perfect for either of us anymore. Okay. You know what, I'm going to get my needs met when and where I can, and I'm sorry that it has to be this way, but you have to take responsibility for this state of affairs. Right. And there would have to be renegotiation about the terms and limits and and the vows and the commitment and what the relationship was about. If you want to stay with him because you're companions and you like each other and you love him and you have this history and you don't want to throw it all away, stay. But he can't ask you to stay and be miserable right. with all these needs that aren't getting met. You can stay if you can come to terms that get your needs met, where you're accommodated, waka, waka, waka. Right. But you have to well, you have to stand up for yourself. I think you've kind of helped me make up my mind because I've thought for a while that you know, like I said, there has been some opportunities coming up lately, and there might be a couple more in the future as far as girls that I'm attracted to that I'm friends with and are kind of along the same lines as me. Go get them. I've always kind of held back a little bit. Go get them. Yeah. <laughs> Go get them. And not tell him. <laughs> and not well, no, you you should tell him, but it should be. Blanket. After the fact. Not, after the fact or before the fact, you just say, you know what, when opportunity presents itself, I can't wait anymore. And I will seize that opportunity. And you just have to know that. Okay. Period. Well, we have that talk tonight. And then you have, then you have sort of blanket immunity. Mm-hmm. Then if he finds out you fucked this other girl, you'll be like, I told you I was going to fuck somebody else when the opportunity presented itself. And guess what? It presented itself and I did. Okay. Well... That sounds like a plan. <laughs> okay, good luck with it. Thank you. I hope so the girly girl coming. sex is super duper hot. You deserve it after this man. long wait. <laughs> it's just it's July, so hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hi, Dan. Um, I am a 22-year-old straight identified, but not quite sure, I suppose, uh, female. And I am a virgin, cross-board men, women, Orals, you know, all, all, all the all the sex. So my first question is, it's well, it's more of a, you know, do you have comments on this? 
So I am at sort of an event where everybody's really wasted um, a little while ago. And um, I'm talking to a friend of mine, not a close friend, but uh, a bisexual girl who starts going on and on about how I need to have sex with a woman because it's so great. And it becomes clear that she thinks I've had sex with men but not women, and this is why I'm confused. And uh, I, make, I make maybe the mistake of saying, well, actually, it wouldn't be evening the field because I'm also a, a virgin with men. And so she, she flips out. Oh, my God. Says, oh, my God, you are going to have sex with me and my boyfriend who is straight. And she runs up to him, says, oh, my goodness, Samantha's a virgin. You're going to have sex with her. And she's very adamant about this. And I can, I can hear him sort of confusedly saying, well, I'm okay with that if she and looking back at me. And, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with this. And then she runs back to me. You're going to have sex with us. And, and we're all very, very drunk is, I think, important. So she goes on, and I'm saying, no, 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 shut up, shut up, shut up. And then a little while later... Um, so the boyfriend comes up to me and he says, how, how serious were you about that, that threesome thing? And I just look at him and I'm like, not at all. It's your girlfriend. Ha ha ha. So then immediately runs up and starts making threats. I'll do this and that'll pull out your rear if you don't agree to have sex with us. And then, you know, this is the end of it. And, uh, so I'm thinking about this. And it's, I think it's really logical because they they're both super hot, nice, really smart. I'm sure it would be a good experience. However, it, I mean, this is a big thing for me. But, it's, I mean, it does seem logical because I would just be getting it all out of the way because, frankly, I consider the virginity a problem. It irritates me because it, it makes this big thing out of sex. And at this point, I don't care that much, but I don't have a huge sex drive. And I... I don't want to go out and just some, you know, fuck some dude because I don't want to be a virgin anymore. So, anyway, I guess my my question is: Do you think it would be a good idea if the offer is still open? Which I kind of think it is, at least right now. Hello. Hey, it's Dan. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm all right. Do we get back to you in time? Or are you still a virgin? Yeah. Oh, good. Phew. Yeah, I'm an intact. Don't worry. Sometimes we call people, and you know, in between calling with the problem and us calling back, they've you know fucked everything sideways, and we're it's not. No, it's true. Um, so I'm really glad that you you still have that hymen. Um, so you're in this position of uh, you're, you're you're young, you're hot. There's this hot couple. They seem, despite getting shit based drunk at parties, and who doesn't? But they seem responsible and fun and safe. Yeah, yep. And you you feel close to them emotionally and as friends? I mean, we're not good friends, so no, it's not as if we're very close, but I feel like I have nothing to worry about in terms of some sort of horrible emotional consequences and I'm doing something really inappropriate. Okay. Um, well, I have sort of a conflict here because... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't like to talk about my own sex life too much, but I did lose my virginity in a threesome myself with two dudes, or with two, with a, a guy and a girl. Um, and it was, it worked out pretty well for me. <laughs> I, I just wrote an essay about it for a, a new collection of essays called Things I've Learned from Women Who've Dumped Me, uh, which you, everyone should buy. Everyone who can hear the sound of my voice should buy this book. The essays are really funny, but I lay all out the details in there. Um, the thing is, what you need to do going into this to make sure it works for you is insist on it working for you. Right. By which you mean? By which I mean, you're a virgin, and it's not going to be some like porn tape 
you know, porn spectacular, you know, hole banging, people being tossed around the room three way, you're going to feel a little bit awkward. Uh, you're going to, you're going to have some nerves. They have to, you know, not just barrel over you. Mm-hmm. Right. So as long as you throw that on the table and go, you know, I'm going to be a little nervous. We're going to have to go slow. I might have to ask you to stop. Like, you know, permission to, for every, you know, permission for the giggles, permission for nerves. And if I call a timeout, let's eat a pint of ice cream and then get back at it. But I want, I want the ability to stop and start here. You know, mm-hmm. but I want to yeah. have fun. And what better way than with, you know, some friends, some people you feel good about, some, you know, they're attracted to them. You're attracted to both of them. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah. This could be great. This could be, yeah. the, you know, a story you dine out on all your life. Or like me, one day write an essay about for a for a collection of essays about how you tossed your virginity away. Yeah, but now of course I'm in the situation where where I just stop chickening out and do it. Uh-huh. I have to approach. I guess that wouldn't be that hard. You also can throw out there. You know what? The first time we mess around, I want to do this. I totally want to do this with you. But the first time we mess around, I don't want to get fucked. First time we do it, I just want to roll around. I want to see you guys in action. I want to mm-hmm. be a participant. But I, you know what? The first time, let's like spend a weekend doing it. The f- first night, I just want to like let's not make it all about my vagina and my hymen because that'll up your stress level, right? Going in. Oh yeah. <laughs> so go in with like you know what? First night, it's mutual masturbation. It's oral sex. It's rolling around. It's you guys can fuck. And then, you know what you can do? If, you know, two hours into that first time you change your mind, you can change your mind without telling them that you might do that in advance. You really have to be in charge of the pace and what happens and what's on the menu, right? For your own security and comfort. And they will cede that power to you if you ask for it. But because you're a virgin, if you go in there with like a whole bunch of things unspoken, they may feel like you want them to take the lead because they're the experienced ones, which will then fill you with stress and make you feel like you're being pulled along or rushed or hurried into things that you weren't ready for at that moment. So you, even though you're the virgin and the inexperienced ones, you should set the pace. You should say how it's going to go. Okay. Okay? You're right, you're right. You sound nervous. You almost sound upset. Is everything all right? No, no, no. I'm. Uh, Any time I think about sex, I start to get nervous because it's not it's this big thing. It's annoying. It is annoying, and and a good way to 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 de you know to to take all that power away and the, and to make sex loom less large is to just do it. Yeah. It's not nearly well, as scary once you're doing it. See, it's not that I'm even afraid of it. It's I'm afraid of, like, the pressure. I'm afraid that the pressure that has built up will lead to me freaking out, like, right, like, not being able to do it, not because I care at all about the sex part, but it's, like, you performance, pressure. You have performance anxiety. Yeah, probably, I guess. And everybody has <laughs> performance anxiety the first time. The first few times. People have performance anxiety all their lives. But like I said, do you know what the magic thing for you to do is to say, you know what, the first time, let's just roll around naked and have a good time and make out. And I don't think the first, you know, that first night that we all, like, get comfortable with each other physically, I'm going to want to, you know, get my cherry popped. But let's do everything else. And you'll establish a rapport with them sexually. You'll figure out if you like the taste of their spit. You'll see them in action. You'll feel, they'll prove to you that they, if they do that, if they respect that, 
you know, limitation you put on the first time, you'll feel more comfortable with them because you'll know that they, that they respect you and they respect the limitations and they're doing what you asked of them. Right. And that'll up your comfort level for the second time or the third time when you decide to go for it. Or again, even in that first time, if you decide to go for it, you can change. Uh, you can shift gears and say, all right, I actually think I am ready. Let's do it. But it can totally be up to you in the moment. And you're in control and you have all the power. Like One of the things that people who are virgins who are giving it up feel like they feel powerless in that moment. That's scary. But you know what? You're giving something away. You have the power. You decide when you're going to do it, or if you're going to do it, or how you're going to do it, or who you're going to do it with. You have all the power and control in that moment. You just have to think of it that way, and you have to exercise your power that way. Okay? All right. <laughs> but you know what? You're not going to be less nervous at 25. Oh, I, I'm more nervous, I'm sure, about that. Right. And you're not going to be less nervous at 30. You'll be more nervous. Oh, I know. No, I want to get rid of the stupid thing. <laughs> It's driving me crazy. It's not a stupid thing. You know what? It's going to be a great thing if these people are fun and respectful and if they prove that to you by hearing you and letting you be in charge of the pace and what happens. This is going to be a great thing. How you lost your journey, you'll dine out on the story all your life. You'll look back on it one day and beat the fuck off or whatever it is that women do, furiously masturbate about it. Okay? All right. <laughs> Good luck. Give us a call back if you actually do it and tell us how it went. All right, I will. Hi, I have a um, kind of a little conundrum. Um, basically, I'm 26, uh, I'm gay, and I'm originally from South Dakota. I've uh, got a very traditional, um, conservative kind of Midwestern family. Um, my, I've got my, uh, my parents, my grandma. Um, they're really, just really kind of straight edge. Um, so naturally... Coming out as gay to them was a little bit of a, a difficulty, and it went a lot better than I thought it was going to. And the thing I'm running into now is, um, you know, my my dad basically said that he he's okay with it, he accepts it, but you know, he doesn't want me to flaunt it in front of him. And and you know, basically what that means to me is that I'm not allowed to do any of the stuff that you know straight couples are allowed to do in public. So to me, that's saying that he's not really even okay with it. That he's just kind of turning his head and pacifying. But at the same time, I mean, I need to be grateful that you know that he is being as okay with it as he is but i'm still having a really hard time letting go of the fact that you know while he's okay with it it's just tolerating it it's not really being accepting of it and they're still putting different expectations on me than they would on let's say like my brother or my cousins or you know anybody else in my family who is straight and brings somebody home um, it hasn't come up yet. I haven't had anybody to bring home, but I'm just kind of nervous when it does come up. So um, any insight you could provide would be very helpful. Hey, it's Dan. Hi. So how long ago did you come out to the folks? Um, it, was, it was about a year and a half ago. And it's not even, I mean, it's something I was kind of avoiding, um, but they ended up finding out somehow and told me that they knew. And it was, I mean, it was okay. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Uh-huh. But it's still kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of weird because they were in the driver's seat of your coming out process. So they kind of set the terms. Yeah. You know, they came out to you about knowing you were gay instead of you telling them you were gay and how it was going to be. They told you how it was going to be. We know yeah. you're gay. We don't want you to flaunt it. We love you. Don't uh, don't press it. Right? Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, I'm still, I mean, I think that part of it is just like kind of a lack of control. But I think the other part is that they... 
Um, especially my dad keeps saying it's okay and it's okay. And he's, you know, this typical Midwestern straight jock, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, kind of, um, you know, and the other part was I'd always heard him and his, you know, jock friends making all these gay jokes when I was younger. So it was like really kind of a, kind of a deal. And I, I mean, part of me is thinking the only reason he's saying it's okay is just because I'm his kid, but it's right, But not, that is the know. only reason. Hey, hey, that is the only reason. He's had to revisit yeah. his prejudices and what he thought about gay people and who they are, where they came from, because you came out. And he wouldn't have revisited those prejudices but for your being gay. Uh, and in a way, that that is how, like, homosexuality can be a gift uh, to folks like your dad and families, because it forces people to really think about what they believe about homosexuals and a lot of people conclude that what they had been believing previously was wrong mm-hmm. and then they're grateful like my folks okay you need to now take control of your coming out process with your folks and say you know what this thing about me not flaunting it what does that mean exactly like I'm not going to come home in a Carmen Miranda dress and dance around the living room um, but I wasn't going to do that anyway and, yeah. But I expect to be treated equally, and I expect that when I do one day have a partner, for him to be accepted as a part of the family, just like my siblings' partners are. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, he, they're, they're okay with, like my dad's okay with, would be okay, I think, with me bringing somebody home. But as far as the flaunting it, I mean, they're talking about, he's talking about, like, holding hands or, I mean, just doing, like, couple stuff, which I think is ridiculous, and that's the part I'm really having a problem with, is because he just recently got right. married to my stepmom, <laughs> um, you know, and they're in love and all over each other and stuff all the time, and it's right. like, and you know what, you know, your, your parents will chill out on that, you know, when I first came out and I had a boyfriend, you know, there was like, oh my god, are they going to touch each other, are they going to hold hands, and it, that's sort of them, you know, looking off into the future and trying to perceive how freaked out exactly they're going to be, and trying to protect themselves from being too freaked out by putting limitations on your behavior in advance. Right? They'll, they won't be quite that freaky once the reality is in front of them. Once they see you interacting with another person with a boyfriend as a couple, they won't perceive that stuff as quite as threatening as they perceive it to be now, or they fear it will be now. Okay. Yeah, and that's where I'm kind of like trying to figure out what the balance is because I want to let them know, like, hey, I think it's great that you, you know, I didn't get like disowned or anything because I've known people that's happened to and it's not pretty. Right, right. You know, but I mean, wait, like, wait, wait, at the same and, time, and I don't want them to think like what they're saying, tolerating it is acceptable because it's not because they're still treating my potential relationship as much less than a regular relationship. You know, they're already saying, well, we don't want you to do this stuff that normal couples do just because you're gay. You know, and it's right. Like, but you also don't want to drag a boyfriend home and tongue kiss him in front of your folks, folks, just to make a point, right? Yeah, that's true. I, my, my brother doesn't tongue kiss his girlfriend in front of my mom, and I don't tongue kiss my boyfriend in front of my mom, right? Yeah. Because that's just yeah. an asshole thing to do in front of your mom. I will kiss my boyfriend goodbye in front of my mom, mm. right? And one day you will kiss your boyfriend goodbye in front of your dad and stepmom and sibs, because they'll be over it. But you gotta, you know, you gotta ease them into being over it a little bit. You know, you say they're being good, they're being accepting, they're freaked out a little bit about one day having to confront, you know, the reality of your homosexuality by seeing you interact with a partner, and you need to ease them into that. Like, you know, the first time you have the partner over, maybe you shouldn't hold hands. I don't remember the last time I fucking held hands with my boyfriend. That's not something grown-ups do, like stand around yeah. holding hands. Grown-ups and old people do it. People who are, like, old people getting remarried hold hands and they're all over each other, and people who are 14 do that. But people who are in their 20s, who aren't insecure bags of slop, don't really do that. 
<laughs> so why would you do that unless you're just trying to like make a point to your folks? What you need to do is like psych yourself out into being at ease with your homosexuality, not you know making a big show of it for mom mm-hmm. and dad to make a point about gay liberation in their house, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> you just want to be comfortable, and you want them to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. But you should demand equal treatment, and you should, you know, in a conversation, say to your dad, you know, you don't think that when, you know, my brother, you know, touches his girlfriend in your presence that that's flaunting heterosexuality, and I hope that when I have a boyfriend someday that I'm serious about and I bring him home, you won't perceive that kind of intimate, casual, non-sexual contact as flaunting my homosexuality, because it isn't any more than my brothers touching their girlfriends casually as flaunting their heterosexuality. And if you present it to him like that, he should react well to it. You have to react well, however, to him saying, you know what, this is still going to be tough for me. The first time it happens, I'm going to be really uncomfortable. And you can say, fine, that's fine. You should be a little uncomfortable about it. It's fine for you. Not you should be, but you can be, and I understand. But you need to, you need to get comfortable about it, because it's going to be a fact of my life, and therefore a fact of your life, for the rest of our lives. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I completely agree. I mean, it's one of those things I think it's great that they're being as good as they are, but it, it's kind of weird just coming from a small place like that and having that kind of mindset and then moving somewhere bigger because I live in Seattle now, so it's like <laughs> there's gay people everywhere. You know, it's like you can't really do anything that people look at you weird. You know, it's just like to, to go from one um, perspective and now to have this mindset and go back there and, and deal with a lot of people that are just right, but this all, polar opposite. This is all hypothetical right now. You don't have a, you don't have a serious boyfriend. Yeah. Right? Don't drag home the first, like, piece of trash you, you fuck for three months, okay? <laughs> right? Don't, like, don't round some guy up to the love of your life just to, so you can drag him home and parade him in front of your folks and make a point. Like, yeah. wait till you're really serious about somebody. Just like your, uh, you have brothers? Yeah. Your brothers wouldn't bring home some girl they'd been dating for a month, right? To no. meet the folks? And you shouldn't no. do that with a boy. You should bring home, like, to meet the folks, that's a serious bar. Right, that you have to clear before you get to go home and meet the folks. Should make sure someone you're serious about, someone yeah, who's worth that's... making your family uncomfortable for. Okay, <laughs> and then take them home and just make sure you know be thoughtful about your behavior in front of your family. Don't self censor, but don't do anything that's like a little you know queer nation action in your dad's living room. It's not a kiss in, right? <laughs> Right? Don't do anything that your siblings wouldn't do so your parents can't point to it and say, your brothers don't do that. Why are you doing that? I'm doing I that because I should be able to do that. Well, that's not a good reason. Yeah. yeah. So I should leave the rainbow attire and the feather boa at home, huh? Yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah. Which doesn't mean that if your parents come to your house, you have to like hide the feather boas. Like yeah. That's your turf. Like When I go yeah. home, I don't like bring this, the, the big bag of sex toys or anything and leave mine where mom's going to find them. But if mom's <laughs> in my house, she better stay the fuck out of our drawers. Unless she wants to find shit she doesn't want to see. Right? I agree. <laughs> well, good luck with it. Welcome out. Welcome to Seattle. Welcome to the big, uh, welcome to the big leagues. All right. Thanks, Dan. Good luck. All right. That wraps up this week's podcast. Thanks again to Michael Noonan for the techno sex robot intro to this week's show uh back with the popovers uh savage love intro music next week and also next week we'd like to do a show we brought up the subject of fag hags their care their feeding their fags uh our responsibilities toward them as fags their responsibility towards us as hags uh and we got a lot of calls about it so we're going to do a whole show on fag hags next week 
um, the institution, the honored role, and uh, how they should be treated, what their rights are. And if you have a question about fag hags or an observation about fag hags, please uh, call and record it this week, and we'll very likely use it next week. 206-201-2720 is the number. Please leave your phone number in case we want to give you a call back with some follow-up questions. And you download the Savage Lovecast every week at thestranger.com slash savage. Thanks very much, everybody. Me and the Tech Savvy Youth will be back in your buds next week. Planned Parenthood wants to remind you to love carefully. Unplanned pregnancy rates are rising, and sexually transmitted infections are at an all-time high. Remember, condoms reduce the risk. Call 1-800-230-PLAN for an appointment, or visit us online at plannedparenthood.org. 